All right. Um, if you weren't aware, um, some of our junior high students uh, went this weekend to Ottawa. Is that Oglesby? Oglesby sorry, Oglesby, Illinois, for an it's called Equipped Conference or Equip Conference, um, and it's dealing with equipping students to go out and do ministry, evangelize. Um, so some of our students uh, went out Friday, Saturday, and um, they actually had the opportunity to go to. They took the opportunity to go to Starved Rock and uh, share some of the the gospel, share uh, to put into practice what they learned. And so I want to give them a moment to talk to you about it because it ties in really well with my lesson today. So go ahead, guys. Um, so when we went to Oglesby, um, we stayed at a church and they taught us about how to um, share the gospel with other people at our school and family. And um, so we decided to go to um, Starved Rock and um, tell other people and see what their religion was and, like, what they thought of it. And so we did that for about 45 minutes. And Brandon was in a very deep conversation with some people. So we thought uh, we could do it just one more time. So that's when we met um, Simon. And Brandon will tell you a little bit about him. So we were, we saw Brandon, he was talking to this group of people. So we're like, okay, the time he set was gone by then. So we're, we went up to this one last group of people. We're like, oh, they look nice. So we go up to them. And so we're like, hey, can we ask you a few questions? And so this guy who later we get his name, his name's Simon, he tells his wife to go into the conservation center thing and do what she wanted to do. And so he said, um, what do you want? And we said, um, we're from a youth group in the Peoria area, and we are going around and asking people what the religion was. And I asked him, so do you believe that Jesus Christ died for us and rose again? And he goes, Jesus, who, who's that? Did somebody die? And I'm like, um, yeah, G- God sent Jesus down to die for us because he loved us. And he's like, where's God? And I'm like, in heaven. And he's like, where's that? And I'm like, up there. And he goes, so you could take a plane and fly up there? And I'm like, no, we can't We can't go to heaven. Well, we can go to heaven, but we don't know where heaven is. And we don't. We can't see God. But we know that because the, we um, read the Bible. And the Bible is the 100% true history of Jesus. And... So he keeps asking us questions, and we're like, this guy has no idea what we're talking about. And so my friend Caden Byer, he gets on his phone, grabs his Bible app, and because um, Simon had just asked, so why would God send a perfect person down to earth to die for people who aren't perfect? And so Caden pulls out John 3.16, and he goes, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, and that for that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And um, and by then, Brand- Vanessa went and got Brandon. Brandon's walking over. <laughs> Br- Br- Brandon's walking over here, and so we're still talking. And then his wife walks out smiling, and we're like, okay. And now she looks happy. And so this guy says. You guys really know your stuff. And by the way, I already know this. And we're like, whoa. <laughs> and so 
He said, I was asking you all these questions and playing like I had no idea what you're talking about because I wanted to see how deep your roots were and how much you knew about God and how much you would keep telling me until I understood. And I'm pre- and he goes, I'm pretty sure if I was to keep playing dumb, you would still be talking to me about it. <laughs> and so he starts, he starts saying stuff about how it's good that you're out here witnessing to people. And then we told him that we actually had 21 people we talked to who were believers and nine people who weren't because we were out there for like at least over half an hour and we were talking to people. And so it was we were, we were still psyched out when we got back in the van. We're like, dude, I can't believe that just happened. And then I actually got to thinking, I'm like, God knew this was going to happen. God used us to witness to somebody who, if that guy actually didn't know, he may have had, we may have planted a seed so that he could end up converting to Christianity. But since he already had it, we still got to witness to somebody what we believed. Jesus would go and pick guys like this, ladies like this, and say, you're going to be my disciples. And um, they were so excited that I couldn't keep this kid quiet. <laughs> we, we went into Taco Bell, and he's like, I'm going to tell everybody in Taco Bell. <laughs> he, he went up to every person who came in Taco Bell and talked to them. Talked to them. Um, but that, that man, he was from Uganda, and um, he looked at these guys, and he said, How old are you, and how old are you, and how old are you? So you're from 12 years old to 14 years old. He says... You guys are going to do well in life. You keep telling people about Jesus and believe in the gospel. Allow your roots to go deep in Jesus so you don't fall away. I just wanted to know that your roots are deep so you don't fall away. Um, it's always exciting for me to hear uh, about our students going out and, and doing things. It's one of the reasons I love youth ministries because they have such a passion and energy for uh, the things of Christ and are, are willing to get out of their comfort zone and to share the gospel with people they've never met. And um, it just really encourages me. Um, and when Brandon told me that story this morning, I thought this is perfect. You know, God's been working this week towards this uh, this lesson that I've been preparing for you. And um, why don't you turn with me to Colossians 2, um, and we're going to look at verses 6 and 7. And I took a note from Matt, it's page 117, I'm sorry, 1791, it's 1791. That's the page number in the Bible in the pew, if you want to turn there with me. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says, says this. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. I didn't work this week. I was home um, preparing for our new baby coming, um, doing some housework, getting the nursery ready. I wasn't in here. I didn't have a chance to talk with Brandon about what my lesson was. He had no idea. And when he told me this story about the kids talking to a guy and him talking about being rooted in Christ, I thought, this is perfect. i got to bring him up to speak because 
That's the lesson today. This week, I was listening to uh, Spotify, which is a app program that deals with all kinds of music. You can listen to just about whatever you want. And on Spotify, a song came on that, uh, by the name of This Is Your Life, and it's by Switchfoot. And the lyrics of the song say, This is your life. Are you who you want to be? This is your life. Is it everything you dreamed that it would be when the world was younger and you had everything to lose? When you look in the mirror, are you the person you thought you would become? Are you who you want to be? Or maybe the better question is, are you the person God wants you to be? The first question, it's an introspective question. Are you happy with your life? At some point in our life, we need to realize that perhaps the way we've always done things in the past hasn't gotten the results we thought it would. In fact, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, but expecting different results. I still have an anger problem. My kids aren't as well behaved as I thought they would be. My marriage isn't as I imagined on my wedding day. I'm not satisfied with my job, but it's unfulfilling. We can't seem to control our spending. Maybe those are some of your thoughts that you deal with day after day. On the other hand, many of us are pretty happy, or at least comfortable, with where we are. Things are okay. We have a decent life. But are we the person God wants us to be? This is, I think, the tough question because the Bible tells us God loves us just the way we are. There is nothing you could do more of and there's nothing you could do less of to receive God's love. God loves you for who you are right now, no matter how successful or unsuccessful you are. In fact, there are some here this morning that need to hear this because you are always trying to work to gain God's approval. But God already loves you. You might have heard a voice of a father, a mother, a coach, maybe a teacher in your head saying, you're still not good enough. You can do better. You just can't seem to win that approval. But I want you to know that God isn't that way. He already approves of you. Yet at the same time, God knows what we can become with his help. God says that In the Bible, it's to be holy as I am holy. God knows we can become so much more. And so God loves us enough to help us become what he wants us to be. God wants us to become the best we can be. And he loves us for who we are, but he wants us to experience the fullness of life and an abundant life. So in our verse, I believe Apostle Paul was trying to help us see how we can have the kind of life God intends for us to have. To be the person God planned us to be. It begins with God and not with us. The reason we are not trying, the reason we are not where we ought to be is because we have tried doing it on our own without relying on God's help. We are trying to be a self-made person. The mentality of God helps those who help themselves. And I'm sorry, guys, i got to tell you this, but that's not in the Bible. Um, God helps those who trust, rely, and lean on Him. 
We must put aside our pride and realize we need to help. We need help from the outside of ourselves. And sometimes that's hard to do. Sometimes it's hard to give that up. We need God's help. God provides the help for us through Jesus. When we admit we are sinners and we are inadequate of ourselves and we can't save ourselves and we believe that Jesus can and that he saves us from ourselves, he fills us with his spirit. So we become like God. We become more like God. And we become what God has created us to be. If we want to receive God's help, we must begin by receiving Jesus first. And so Paul advises his readers in Colossians 2, 6-7. I'm going to read it just a little slightly different. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to live in obedience to him. Let your roots grow down into him and draw up nourishment from him. So you will grow strong in faith and vigorous in the truth you were taught. The change begins with God. God wants to do a work in us, but it is only possible with Him. Do your roots grow deep? If we want to participate in that life, we need to trust in Jesus. And we also need to obey what Jesus says. If you love me, obey my commands. Do we follow Jesus' commandments? You cannot experience abundant life without obeying God. Jesus summarized the commandments to be, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. But we must also continue to let our our roots grow down into Christ, to draw up nourishment from Him so we will grow in faith. In order to experience this life, we need to grow spiritually. We must be firmly rooted in who Christ is. And our roots have to go deep in Christ. People use the phrase spiritual growth all the time. It's a popular phrase. But we don't always understand what it means. What is spiritual growth? Is it knowing the Bible more? Is it praying more? Is it attending church more? Is that spiritual growth? No, I don't think that this is spiritual growth. It may lead to spiritual growth, but I don't think those things in themselves are considered spiritual growth. Growing spiritually means we receive God's grace to know Him better. In other words, it's relational. Getting to know God more. And to be mature like Him. Right now I'm working through, um, this is a book called Grow Down by Ken Castor with a couple high school students. Um, this is an awesome resource in what it means to grow deep into Christ in having a Jesus-centered faith. And uh, the book, the first three chapters of this book, it calls out uh, our idea of what it means to be an adult. Uh Sometimes I think we associate being mature with being an adult. Or if you are an adult, you are mature. And I love this book because it calls out that that's not necessarily true. Um, when in life you're encouraged, you just just grow up, right? Live your life. You're, you need to grow up. Not until you're a grown-up. Or just, you know, just just grow up, would you? 
I want you to hear um, Webster's definition of an adult. And I'm going to actually read it right here from the book. Adult. Definition one. Fully developed and mature. As in grown up. Two. Of relating to, intended for, or befitting adults. An adult approach to a problem. Three. Dealing in or with explicitly sexual material. Hmm. Do I want to be an adult? And it gets worse. We use terms like adulterate or adultery to corrupt, debase, or make impure by the addition of a foreign or inferior substance to or element. That's to adulterate something. Adultery is sex between a married person and someone who is not that person's wife or husband. I think there's a good reason it's not called childry. It's called adultery. Dealing with adults. We push children and ourselves to be more like an adult when in reality we should be pushing more towards growing down in Christ and maturing in our faith. Matthew 18, 2 through 4. And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Do you want to be more like an adult? Or do you want to be more childlike with a mature faith in Christ? Being more like him means we reflect Jesus' character and actions, doing what he would do. When we look in the mirror, we should see Jesus' reflection. The reason we face disappointment with our life is because we have failed to recognize that we are inadequate to bring true happiness on our own. Instead, it is a gift from God. As you grow down, you will incorporate things like reading scripture, praying, worshiping God. But those are not just the end goal. These open us to receiving God's grace so he can change us in our situation. Just because someone is a Christian and has a faith in Jesus Christ doesn't mean they're growing spiritually. The character of Christ in the Bible is revealed in loving, kind, patient, firmly telling the truth with certainty and conviction, but always with gentleness and humility. A former pastor and a leadership, now a leadership guru, John Maxwell, he tells a story about a man in a, in a church he pastored. Every week, this man would sit in service with a tape recorder and record the sermon. He would then go home and transcribe the entire message after church. And then on Monday, he would send it along with a pastor. I'm sorry. He would send it, that transcribed manuscript, along with a letter to the pastor telling him everything he did wrong. And how terrible his message was and hoped that next week would be a better message. This went on for every week for five years until God convicted him of the pain that he was causing. Just because we are a Christian doesn't mean we are growing spiritually, maturing to be like Christ, or that we are deeply rooted in who Jesus is. A quick look in the mirror will give us that answer. Are we acting the way Jesus would act, doing the things Jesus would do? Are we more loving, 
kind, less angry than we were a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago. If we are not more loving, more caring, more kind, have more joy, then we might be aging, but we aren't maturing spiritually. Maybe you're growing the wrong direction. Inevitably, when we talk about being holy, I hear responses like, I, I, you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Or, we all make mistakes. And that may be true, but I believe it's a cop-out. The scriptures affirm over and over again that believers in Christ haven't just been saved by grace, but were transformed by grace. We are new creations in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. Our lives should be different once we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. God has begun a transformation in us as soon as we accept Christ. And He wants to continue that work to completion. It's not always an instantaneous change. Rather, it's a lifelong process, and the Bible calls that process sanctification. In order for our character and actions to reflect God and Jesus, Paul tells us we must send our roots deeply in Christ. So if you've been wondering why there is a tree that I moved forward on the platform, now you know. It is a reminder that it is our choice on whether we will push our roots deeper in Christ if we're going to grow down spiritually in Him. When we become a Christian and we give our hearts to Jesus, when we believe the good news that Jesus died and rose from the dead for us, we are planted as new saplings in His orchard. This tree is not that big. It's just starting. We're small and spindly and the shallow roots in the ground keep us planted. We are saved. We're going to heaven. But we are infants. Belief is just the beginning point. Being a Christian doesn't necessarily make you change your ways or become a different person. Belief doesn't automatically make you more loving, kind, and gentle, and have more joy because you are just a sapling drawing a small amount of nourishment from God because you're shallow roots and you're just a babe in Christ. You're just using the sippy cup. When we are saplings, we sometimes continue to act like the world because we have not matured. In high school, I had a friend. He was the worst person in the school, almost. He did drugs, drank, and drove. Uh, had the worst mouth in the world, had the poorest grades, had, had had sex with girls in his school. And yet, some of my friends loved him to share the gospel with him week after week, and he would reject us and reject us and reject us until... One Wednesday night, something clicked. Something about Jesus struck his heart. And he put his faith in Jesus Christ and followed him. This person who was wicked by our standards, who was full of sin and could check off just about every single commandment, he broke it. 
turned and followed Christ. And to see the change in him in our school, his grades went from D's and C's to A's and B's. His language changed. He stopped hanging out and with the wrong people. He stopped doing drugs. He stopped drinking. He stopped his sexual relations. And he turned to Christ. And what's really cool about it is he was, he was immature in his faith and growing. And there was a lot that he had to learn from. He blew up at a teacher because of one little thing that the teacher said about Jesus. And he stood up and defended Jesus Christ in the wrong way. <laughs> But he stood for Jesus in a heart going towards Christ. And, and as he learned and as he grew and as he was mentored by other people, he knew that some of the things he was doing was wrong, but he was still growing. And he went back to that teacher and he apologized. Because he continued to be transformed in who Jesus was to him. A tree is designed and intended to grow just as we are physically when we are born. But in order for a tree to go to grow above ground, it must grow below. Its roots need to shoot down. I've read that a tree will have a root system equal to what you see above the ground. If we don't have deep roots like that sapling, we are in a precarious position. A sapling with shallow roots is more susceptible to extreme weather, drought, Rain, storms, disease, pests. The same is true for us. When we are saplings in Christ, we are more susceptible when bad things happen. When the storms of life come and knock at our door, the death of a loved one, health problems, financial difficulties, family issues, or just temptations of everyday life, and we are not deeply rooted in Christ, what do you think is going to happen? It's going to be a difficult road Because you will doubt who God is. In order for us to experience all the fulfillment of what God wants us to give, we need to keep growing spiritually. In order for our outward and visible lives to be changed, the inward part has to be changed. First, the outward part of our lives is like the visible part of a tree, the trunk, the branches, the leaves. And the inward, invisible spiritual part of our lives is like the roots of the tree. God is saying to us, I want to grow, I want you to grow and to be full. I want you to reflect my character. But in order for that to happen, the inward part of our lives has to grow first. Our heart, our soul, we have to grow deep in Christ. Spiritual growth is not a quick fix. Take a class or go on a retreat kind of solution to the dilemma of us being in Christ. A redwood did not reach its towering height overnight in a day or a year or even ten years. Our spiritual growth is an intentional lifelong process. It's not a one-time fix-it-and-forget-it kind of thing. It is a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly process of allowing God to work in our life. In order to grow deep, we must draw up nourishment from Him regularly for our everyday life. So how do we grow our roots into Christ? God has given us several practices which Jesus modeled. Inward practices of prayer, reflecting on Scripture, 
receiving guidance from the Holy Spirit by meditating on Scripture. Outward practices of slowing down, of simplicity, of joining other believers in a time of worship, giving of tithes and offerings, confession, the practice of worship itself, and the practice of celebrating what God has done in your life. We're not going to go over all of these, mainly because I want to give you a guilt trip on all the things you aren't doing or doing enough of. It is because we all need to grow in Christ, myself included. We all need to send our roots down deep so we can experience the fullness of life. And when the trials, tribulations, and temptations of life come, we are so close to the Lord that they don't even phase us because we are so close to who Jesus is. The winds may come, the storms may blow, and we won't fall down. Let me close by repeating my question. Are you who you want to be? Are you who... Are you who God created you to be? How is your root system? How deep do your roots go in Christ? What are you going to do to grow your roots in Christ? I encourage you to dig into God's word over the next several weeks. I want you to learn how you can grow down into a firm foundation in who Jesus is. And the only way you can do that is if you actually spend time on finding out who Jesus is. We started off the youth year in the, for Wednesday night by putting up Jesus on the wall and telling the students, here's some paint. If you want to come up here and around Jesus' name, you can put a word or a phrase on this wall as long as you are 100% certain that is who Jesus is. 100% certainty. Can you go through life saying that you are 100% certain of who Jesus actually is? Do you know every aspect of who he is? Because I am still learning. I am still learning about who Jesus is, and, and there's always something that I'm like, I didn't know that, and now I can say it's absolutely true, only because I've spent time reading on who Jesus is. Would you pray with me? Father God, God, we turn to you in, in times of, of trials, uh, times of, of, of good things and of joy in our life, Father. And we turn to you because we know that you are true and that you are good and you are just. And, and you answer us when we, when we come to you, Father. Father God, I pray that we would leave here today and that we would seek out who you truly are. That we may grow deeper in a relationship with you, Father, that our roots would grow down. That we would grow down in the character of Jesus, Father, and that through that, that growth of our roots, Father, that we would be able to stand firm for your Son and for the glory of your kingdom. Father, that you would work in us and change our hearts to reflect your character and to reflect who you are to everybody we meet with. God, there's people hurting that need to know who the love, who Jesus is and the love that he has for them. And God, you use us. And so let us grow deep in our roots into, into you so that we may be able to stand firm and to show Jesus 
to the world. Father, be with us as we sing one more song. And just, Father, let us open our hearts to the words and to a full giving of our spirit and our heart to you in, in this last song. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.